morning I'd like to tell you the story, a miraculous story about the birth of a child. You probably think you know the story I'm talking about, the birth of Jesus, of course. I mean, that's what Advent and Christmas are all about. Jesus born in Bethlehem, born in a manger, born of Mary and Joseph, son of God, visited by angels and shepherds and wise men. Well, that is uh, an important story, obviously. That is the, the meaning of this particular season. But I, I want to tell you about another miraculous birth that is, is connected to the birth of Jesus. And that's the miraculous birth of his cousin, John the Baptist. You see, six months before the, the angel Gabriel came to Mary to say, you are going to be the mother of the Savior, angel Gabriel had gone to, uh, to John's parents his mother, Elizabeth, his father, Zechariah, to tell them they too were going to have a child. And it would be a miracle. You see, they were too old to have a child. They were childless and, and way past childbearing years. But that's a theme in Scripture, that, that when something is impossible, God makes it possible. When there is no way, God makes a way. And so six months before the birth of Jesus, his cousin, John, was born and their lives would be connected their 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 mission their ministry would be intertwined from that day forward really uh, the, the the announcement of the angel about the birth of John said he will John will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So cousins, I don't know about you, I, I grew up with my cousins. I, I, I wonder if, if John and Jesus uh, were close growing up, if they knew each other. Now it's possible they didn't. They, they lived in different towns. Jesus, of course, was from Nazareth. We think John was from a village close to Jerusalem because his father, Zechariah, was a priest in the temple. But it's possible when Mary and Joseph brought Jesus to Jerusalem for, for the Passover and other uh, observances that maybe the family's connected, that maybe as children, as teens, John and Jesus knew each other. Maybe they had conversations about how they were beginning to understand who God had created them to be and the call that was on their life and the connection. You have to wonder what those conversations might have been. Now, it's possible they never met each other. We don't know. But at some point, both knew about the other and knew that their lives were linked. It says in Luke chapter 180, the child, John, grew up becoming strong in character. And he was in the wilderness until he began his public ministry in Israel. So at some point, obviously not as, as a child, but at some point he left his parents and he went into the desert to prepare for this very special ministry and calling. Did he know Jesus? We don't know, but we know their lives would intersect. Now, I should probably tell you, uh, John is my favorite character in the Bible. Um, I, I, of course, Jesus is my most favorite, right? You know, except for Jesus. But, but John, above the other, in fact, I named my son John. A lot of characters in the Bible I love and respect. But John is at the top of my list. And, and I'll have to admit, John's kind of a strange character. Uh, he, he was bold. Uh, he, 
he didn't hold back. He, he, he spoke his mind. Uh, he was sort of unusual living uh, out in the wilderness, we think, by himself. He, he ate locusts, bugs, and wild honey. He wore uh, a camel's hair outfit, had long, long, long hair and a long beard because he took a special vow not, not to cut it. Um, and boy, he never pulled punches. Uh, people would travel for, for days out into the wilderness to see him and to hear his voice because they knew that he was holy. But then he would come and, and just kind of lay into them. And I'm talking about religious leaders, Pharisees, Sadducees, uh, Levites. I'm talking about political leaders, rulers. I'm talking about rich and wealthy people, common people. I'm talking about Roman soldiers. And he would say, you bunch of snakes, you brood of vipers, you've heard that before, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath, bear fruit worthy of repentance. He's, he's warning them. He's threatening them. Who told you? You need to change. It says, even now the axe is lying at the fruit of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. That's, a, that's threatening language. Like, I don't care who you are. I don't care how wealthy you are, how religious you think you are. If your life isn't right, if it's not bearing good fruit, it will be cut down and burned. And people came to hear him because he spoke with such power. He was, he was compelling and he was bold. I respect that. Now, I have this image of John. You can do whatever you want. I, I just have this idea that if John were around today, still doing that work, he would have come roaring in from the Judean desert on an old Harley. I mean, after all, he looked a little bit like a, a biker, right? He had long hair and a long beard and wore leather. Uh, every biker knows what it is to eat a few bugs. If you're ever, ever riding down the highway and you cough or yawn, you're, you're going to get some bugs in your mouth and, and have a little extra... Uh, a little extra protein. Uh, the day I rode the motorcycle from from Coral Springs to to Orlando, as we were moving here to become your pastor, uh, I was literally covered from the tip of my boot all the way to the top of my helmet with love bugs and uh, dragonfly uh, remains, carcasses. Uh, now, now I, John, you know, at least in my mind, wouldn't be riding some fancy motorcycle with a custom paint job or a lot of chrome. This would be old. Right, old, well worn, rusty. Maybe a maybe a, a raccoon tail hanging from the handlebars. Maybe no uh, no uh, uh, muffler, just straight pipes. So you heard him coming from miles away. You pay attention because you knew, man, somebody tough was coming to town, and, and he was gonna he was gonna speak his mind to you. It'd be a little scary. It'd be a little compelling. It might be inspiring. And after all, he talked a lot about highways. He said, you know, make every highway straight. Make every, make every rough place smooth. Of course, he's talking about preparing the way for Jesus, but the bikers don't like potholes. So I'm convinced he would have rode a Harley. Uh, now, John the Baptist wasn't, wasn't a biker, uh, but he was a prophet. And you may remember a few weeks ago I talked about prophets. The role of the Old Testament prophet, if you were listening then, was was to speak for God. Their orientation was, was an ear toward God and a, and a voice, a word to the people. Right? That's the role of the prophet. God is speaking, and I've got to tell you what he's saying. Now, sometimes a word, word of comfort, not usually. It was usually a word of, of warning. 
that, that there's something you've got to know. And, and, and prophets felt this, this deep sense of calling that God had put a word in them that had to be lived and had to be spoken, and it was urgent. Uh, Joan Chittister says, a prophet is a person who says no to everything that is not God. Well, that's a pretty good description of John the Baptist. You, you might also remember I used this quote uh, a couple weeks ago. Rachel Held Evans says, the prophets are weirdos. More than anyone else in scripture, they remind us of those odd ducks shouting from the margins of society. Well, that's a pretty good description of John too. Living in the Judean wilderness on the margins of society, shouting uh, a message that he just couldn't keep to himself. And that that is often the way it is with prophets. They're shouting because nobody's listening. They're marginalized because we don't want to hear their message. And what was his message? Was, Repent, which means turn around. Do a U-turn. Change. Now is the time. The way you're living is unacceptable. You've got to make a change. Change your hearts and lives, he says in Matthew 3, 2. Here comes the kingdom of God. In essence, he knows there is something on the way, and you are going to miss it if you don't change your life. That's what he was offering. Come to me, and we'll get you straightened out. Then you can participate in what's to come. Now, I've, I've heard it said that in the days of John and, and Jesus, there was a, a heightened messianic expectation. What does that mean? The people were, were excited about a Messiah coming. They were looking for a Messiah to come. They were longing for a Messiah to come. They had lived in oppression and occupation for, for centuries, but they knew they were God's people. They knew that, that they were God's chosen nation, but, but one army and after another came and, and destroyed them and took for them. And so there was, there was uh, anticipation that a Messiah would soon arrive, that God had made that promise and that they could count on it. And so you can imagine any time a religious leader hit the street, the, the, the scene, they might think this, this could be the guy. In fact, some claim to be falsely. Well, they thought maybe John the Baptist, maybe he's the Messiah. Jesus hadn't yet appeared in public. And so they came to him. They said, are you the one? Are you the Messiah? Listen to what he said. I baptize you with water. But one who is more powerful than me is coming. I'm not worthy to loosen the strap of his sandals. He will baptize you with Holy Spirit and fire. It's, it's interesting with John. He, he understood that in some ways he was the last of the great Old Testament prophets. He was sort of the end of the Old Testament story. And he was about to hand things over to Jesus. I've come to baptize with water. What does that mean? He was there to wash away sins. Repent, be baptized, wash away sins, be prepared. But one is coming who will baptize with fire and the Spirit. That's about new life. It's about new beginning, new possibility, the gift of the Holy Spirit coming. John understood he was, he was wrapping up all that had led to now what was possible in Jesus. On the eighth day, uh, when John was taken to be circumcised, his father, the priest, Zechariah, prophesied over him, You, child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his way. You will tell his people how to be saved through the forgiveness of their sins. If you want to read the birth story of Jesus, you can go to Matthew 
or you can go to Luke. If you want to read the birth story of John the Baptist, go to Luke. Mark doesn't give us a birth story. The Gospel of John doesn't give us a birth story. What John gives us, and this isn't John the Baptist, this is John the Apostle, the, the writer of the Gospel of John, what he gives us is what we call a prologue. It's, it's theological, it's somewhat mystical. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and in him all things came into being. I'm talking about Jesus is the Word. And in him was the light and life of all people. Right? So it's this theological understanding of, of who Jesus was and his coming, right? But in the midst of this kind of very theological statement, uh, John adds this. A man named John, this is John the Baptist, was sent from God. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light, so that through him everyone would believe in the light. He himself wasn't the light, but his mission was to testify concerning the light. Did you catch that? He knew he was not the light. Jesus was the light. But his way was to prepare people to receive the light, to tell people about a light that was coming, the light that could shine in their life if they first repented. He was a baptizer. That was the whole point. He baptized to prepare people spiritually for what they could receive in Jesus. John, because he preceded Jesus, had, had a group of followers. We call them disciples. But then Jesus comes, and some of those disciples started following Jesus. And other of John's disciples thought, well, that isn't right. They're abandoning us. So they go to John and say, are you, are you aware? Do you realize that, that they're leaving? John, in humility, with, with perfect understanding of his role, said, it's okay. He must increase. Jesus must increase, and I must decrease. He had come to do his part. He had fulfilled his role, and now it was time for Jesus to begin his work. I, I like the, the Catholic writer Fulton Sheen, who says, John the Baptist's greatness was of the divine order. He was sent from God. And his superiority was not just in his person, but in his unchanging work and mission, namely to announce the Lamb of God. So their lives were connected. Their mission was connected. John's job, to announce the coming of the Lamb of God. Jesus, to be the Lamb of God. John, to prepare the way. Jesus, to be the way. They needed each other. They existed for each other. They were connected. They had purpose. Now, I, I, I want to mention this. If you look at lots of classic art, religious art, in which John is depicted, you often see him pointing. It's a very common gesture for John the Baptist in art to be pointing. Now, if Jesus is in the picture, of course, he's pointing to Jesus. But sometimes you don't get that. You just get John pointing. But you know who he's pointing to, right? He's pointing to Jesus. Think about how radical that is for a moment. How many people do we know in the world that spend all of their time pointing to themselves? Look at me. Think about me. What about me? That wasn't John's role. John's life and ministry was all about pointing people to Jesus. I'm not the Messiah. He's the Messiah. I'm not the Lamb. 
He's the Lamb. I baptized with water. He baptized with fire and the Spirit. That was his role. And I think in some ways that is meant to be a metaphor for us. That's meant to be an example for us of who we're called to be as Christians. We're called to be pointers. I mean, that's what it means to follow Jesus, to to live our lives in such a way that our lives, our words, our, our actions, our values point to Jesus. I mean, after all, Jesus said, you're the light of the world. You're a city on a hill. You're a salt of the earth. Paul said, we're the aroma of Christ. All of that is meant to point to something other than ourselves, a life in Christ. So I want to ask you this. Who is your John the Baptist? Who prepared the way for you to know Jesus? Might, might have been your parents or your grandparents who, you know, if you grew up in church, well, they're the ones that took you there. Might have been the people that prepared that church, the ones who, you know, who, who had been the pillars there to, to put that church into place. Maybe it was your Sunday school teachers. Maybe it was your youth counselors. Maybe it was your youth director, camp counselors. Maybe it was a campus minister. Maybe it was a pastor. Maybe it was your spouse. Maybe it was friends and peers teachers. I, I don't know. I wonder just who comes to mind for you? Who pointed the way for you to know Jesus as Lord? I, I think of my aunt and uncle who made it possible for me to go to church camp when I was in middle school. And I, I didn't go to church, but it was at that camp that, that God became real to me. I, I, I think about Kelly, a conversation we had that we we really ought to be going to church, which led us to First Church. And the reason we went to First Church was because Warren and Linda Palmer had invited my family to come do Christmas Eve service when I was in high school, the only Christmas Eve service I had ever attended. That's what brought me to First Church. I remember a conversation with Bob Bouchong about sensing that maybe I was being called to ministry, first pastor I ever talked to about that. I think about professors. I think about counselors. I think about... Uh, spiritual directors who just throughout my ministry kept pointing me over and over back to Jesus. I think about about uh, authors. I, I think about colleagues. I think about members of my churches, members of our church who have inspired me to just keep following Jesus. They just kept pointing. Who's your John the Baptist? Who's your John the Baptist? Who has shown you the way to know Jesus. And then here's the, the final question. If I were to ask somebody else who was there, John the Baptist, I wonder who might mention you. Who has God used you to be a pointer for? You see, that's the calling of all of us, to be John the Baptist, to live our lives in such a way that we're always pointing to another way of living, to a God that loves us, to a Savior who leads us to life abundant. You're called to be John the Baptist, so am I. Who are you showing the way?